Welcome to the Exit Strategy, your no bullshit guide to divorce with the experienced attorneys from New Direction Family Law and guests that have been there. Unfiltered discussions to help you move from victim to victorious and from bitter to better. Hello, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stevenson. I'm a partner in New Direction Family Law. And generally, I have my partner in crime, Sarah Hink, who's a partner in the law firm. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say partner. I know. <laughs> But today I have my other partner in crime, who is Jim Bordeaux. That's me, the director of public relations. Yes. Sarah is currently, she's a new mom. I know. So so she's with her new baby girl. Yeah, so we got a new baby at the firm, so we're excited. That's right. She'll be back soon, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're excited today. We have a guest, David. Tell us who you're with and what, you're, what you have to do with family law, and then we'll delve a little deeper. So I'm a public accounting firm, Carr, Riggs, and Ingram. So traditional public accounting firm, tax, and all. More importantly, business valuation, consulting, things of that nature, litigation support. So what we have to do with family law is business valuation and litigation support. So we value businesses. Oftentimes, husband and wife own business and they're separating. Got to know what the business is worth and we can help with that. There are other areas in which we can help as well, pension valuation, things of that nature. But generally, I like to think about it as helping the attorney. More importantly, the spouse crossing the divide, getting from where they're at. To, to post after this. Right. And so Jen and I were just talking about this before we started. I don't I mean people may know this, but if you're married and one spouse is a partner in a business or owns a business, you own that business too in a marital way. You're entitled to whatever half of the value is. So yeah. if there's only one owner, you're entitled to half of whatever you might find the value to be. If there are two, then you're entitled to 50% of his half and some of that. So it's really at the end of the day, you are a very important part of dividing property because attorneys don't know what a value is. A judge doesn't know what a value is. And so you're the person that tells them what that is, right? Yeah, that's right. I think just on a real practical level, if we're talking about a more simple marital disillusion, let's say that the house, they, the couple owns a house and they own a business. And then at the end of the day, one of the, one of the spouses is probably going to want the house and, right. and to stay in the house and uh, how are they going to do that? Are they going to they going to pay the other side for half the house, or is the business potentially that the other spouse is working in is it worth equal to the house? And in a perfect world, it's nice to split that. That would be so perfect. Yeah, <laughs> you keep yours, I'll keep mine. That'd be too easy, guys. <laughs> it's it's why the value is important. Right. What is the value? Right. And so it's a big deal, and at a, at a real practical level, if the spouse wants to stay in the house, do they have to pay for it? Right. If you will, or you take the business and go on, and uh, so that gets real practical. We're even thinking about, quote unquote, smaller marital estates, if you will. So do you see a lot of um, couples who may be separating that actually work in the business? Or is it more like the wife would own the business and the husband may be an officer or not have any part of it at all? Typically, it's one spouse or the other that's working in the business and the other one making a paycheck, but not commensurate for any duty that or, right. or function that they're doing. But it's usually one and... And the one that doesn't own usually thinks that spouse is running a bunch of companies. There's a bunch of income that's not reported and it's worth <laughs> zillions right. of dollars. And it's, you know what? Let me pay you, you know, if you think it's worth that much, then you pay for it and run it. Exactly. And then exactly. they change their tune. So what do you, what's some, what do you need to know? What do you have to have in your hands to do a business evaluation? And I'm asking that because when people come see us, especially if you're not the person who's in the business, we want them to start gathering as best they can some documents. So what would you say is important to have so that you can figure out what that business is worth? Yeah, I think there's, there's probably some triage that goes on there, right? we we got to have good data, good starting points. So tax returns, financial statements, whether they're compiled, reviewed, or audited. But financial statements, we, we got to have a starting point, and that's non-negotiable. 
What would, what can you, dumb it down. (laughs) (laughs) So what is a financial statement? Yep. What do so, you look when I tell a spouse to go look for a financial statement? What am I telling great, that person to look for? Great question. Great question. So when I think financial statement, I think at the very least balance sheet and income statement. So the balance sheet is going to summarize all the companies, the businesses' assets, liabilities, and equity. Right? Assets okay. less liabilities will equal the equity. At least they should. And so everybody has a financial <laughs> statement. And some businesses, if they have debt. Or if they're a contractor and they have to have bonding, insurance bonding, things of that nature, or perhaps they're trying to get a license, they have to get financial statements that are called audited, reviewed, things of that nature. But at the very least, uh, somebody has to have data that they're using to prepare a tax return. So balance sheet and then income loss statement. So income loss, just basically the, the current year's revenues right, minus expenses. Okay. And here's my question is that I have a lot of, not a lot, but some client will tell me, it's like what we were talking about. Okay, there's a lot of cash that goes under. I'm doing window tinting or I'm doing car maintenance or repair and it's paid in cash. How do you, can you capture that? So this, this is a little bit the scary part, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think if you're considering going through divorce and you think the business is worth something, you think some of that's going on, there has to be a little bit of a cost benefit analysis, right? Mm-hmm. So you can pay me if you want to ten, twenty thousand dollars to right. go in there and search for unreported income or and figure out how we can support that there is unreported income. How, how much do you think it, it could possibly be? If it's five thousand dollars a year, then right. uh, and that doesn't matter. But but we can go in there and begin to run some analysis, look at personal bank statements, things right. of that nature, and begin to say, hey, this is all the income that we see. This is what it looks like is costing to live on what's the delta what's the difference and if there is then we have some questions to ask we start digging a little right does anybody ever ask you this is not necessarily a business evaluation question but it's like an alimony or child support question is what i tell clients is you can figure out what somebody's income is by looking at how they just like what you said how they live you got a big nice car payment (laughs) you're big them in a big house but you're telling me you make twenty five thousand dollars i can't possibly be, yep. be true. Can you be? Could you be helpful in that situation, even if it's not a business? Can y'all go and dig down and see if no, that's true? I think inside of, of an equitable distribution context or out of it? Or, out of it. I was just doing, I want to know what your income is because I want you to pay me some alimony and you're telling me you don't have the ability to do that. Oh yeah, 100%. Just in doing some analysis on rental property, things of that nature, and looking at the bank statements and how they correlate, looking at the debt payments, things of that nature, and able to identify properties that exist before, which absolutely helped in the distribution of assets. Right. So, that, so it's just people, I've got a case where people hide that the, it, it wasn't a CPA who did the books. It was someone who was not a CPA. And so the owner of the business just gave this what he wanted him to see. And then when we started digging through it, we saw things were a little different. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the hard part for me because you're looking at me and the client's going to look at me and be like, didn't and it's we're when I do evaluation, we're not doing a forensic engagement. Right. And that's why we got to be careful and the attorney understand this and right. can appreciate this, define the scope and what are we engaged to do? What's the contract for? And I can't, I can't look at every transaction that occurred on a general ledger, which essentially is just a summary of every transaction right. of the company. I can't look at that. I could if you wanted me to, but that's going to cost a lot and not be beneficial. And so we've got to use expert judgment and in our experience to say, hey, where do we need to dig? And some of the ways that we can try to identify that or at least shine the light is looking at historical analysis. And so we look at 
revenue and expenses over several years and begin to say, hey, what's uh, uh, explain the trend for me, if you will, or the, um, the office expenses is even for about four years and then one year it spikes. And so what's going on there, right. things of that nature. And so there are some tools in our toolkit to identify stuff without going uh, full board forensic. We can if we need to. So what do you, when you value a company, what are you looking at? What gives the company value? Yeah, good question. I think I define that by telling you what kind of approaches we can do. And so in valuation, we can determine the value of a company really through three approaches. The asset approach, which is the fair market value of the assets, fair market value of liabilities. That's the asset approach. And so if you, you own some equipment and you have some cash mm-hmm. in the bank, some accounts receivable, what's the fair market value of those? At less any debt, that's the value of the company. Okay. The second approach is the market approach. So we have access to businesses that have sold. And so we'll go and look for businesses that are similar to mm-hmm. the company that we're valuing. And we look at the sales price of that business as compared to their the revenues and the income, et cetera, and we can derive multiples from these these transactions that have already happened and then apply them to our company. Mm-hmm. And that's the market approach. And I think it's obvious why it's called the market approach. The income approach is the one we use a lot. And um, so the income approach, if you like a mathematical formula. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, it's easy. It's easy. Hang with me. Hang with me. Okay. All right. So value equals benefits. You're writing this down. <laughs> Where's Ashley? She was just here talking about how she loves numbers. Value equals benefits over risk. And so let's say V equals B over, over R, right? Benefits over risk. Right. When you make an investment, let's say you buy G stock or something, something that's okay to buy. You're, you're buying that for future rewards or benefits, right? right. And you're, you're not buying that for what it's done in the past. What, it done, what it's done in the past may contribute to why you would buy it. But you're bu- you're buying it for future benefits, either earnings or cash flows or capital appreciation, right? Benefits. Benefits over risk. And so risk being the discount rate. What's the required return uh, for you to invest this money in the company? And so the way we value business and their income approach is determine what we think the benefits are going to be. So we'll, a lot of times we'll look at the last five years tax returns and say, hey, what's the profit here? Mm-hmm. What's the cash it's producing or the earnings? We take that number. After we do some adjustments, we would take that number and then apply a discount rate to it to get the value of the company. We use that approach the most because oftentimes it's going to capture, here's another term, the goodwill of the company. Because the asset approach, it's just going to be oftentimes the tangible, the hard assets. Right. There's also uh, name recognition. There's also an assembled workforce. There's a lot of, a lot of intangible benefits. And the income right. approach is going to capture that. And so oftentimes it's better than the asset approach. So if let's say that... Like your business is your is named after you, let's say. Is there a value to it if you go away? Like I get like the other spouse, the court awards it to the other spouse. It, is it that name and you can, but you're not the face of the company. Does that figure into your. Are, are you saying, is there, what if the value of the company directly related to, to one, ne- one particular yeah, person? Yeah, right. Yeah. North Carolina, it's a great question. In North Carolina, the standard of value really is it's fair market value and investment value, right? So let's talk about goodwill there for a minute. Right. Because if. Let's say that somebody owned a company, a contractor owned a company, and it produced income for him, a return of income, like a W-2 compensation. But then also it had an element of income beyond that. So that would be personal goodwill, right? Because if that person were to leave, you probably couldn't sell that. There's no value there. But there's value to the person that holds the interest. And so in North Carolina, personal goodwill, which is what we're talking about there, there's goodwill that's connected with a person, not with an enterprise. Uh, Personal goodwill is part of the marital estate. Okay. And, and even though uh, it's a benefit uh, that you can't sell, it's part of the marital estate. And so it has value, even though you could probably never actually sell it. Yeah, it does make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was asking. Like, there is a value to having 
the name, even though that person went away, nobody would want the, your company probably, but there's still a value to it because they built it. Absolutely right. It's value to the holder. If, right. If those terms make sense. And so it's, a, there's value right. to the holder, but not value in exchange. So like fair right. market value, it's in the market. Could you ever sell this? Not, not but, right. uh, but there's value to the holder. And so as you're dividing up marital estate, you got to include it. Right. The, po- the point of business, being a business owner sometimes is to get your personal expenses paid mm-hmm. and try to run those through the business and then get your taxes as low as possible. So is that, if I looked at a tax return, would I just take that and assuming that was what the company had made? Like I look at gross receipts or schedule C or whatever that would be. This is doing evaluation for equal distribution. We got to think about fair, also fair market value. Right. So we have to think about what would a willing buyer do? And so small business owners are incentivized for a lot of reasons to pay themselves more or less than what a, a reasonable amount or a replacement compensation, right. if you will. So we can't just take the tax return per se. We have to go in there and we have to look at it and say, hey, what's reasonable? If you owned a business and I was going to buy it, what would I, how would I run it? If you right. Know. Okay. Makes sense. So what's the, what would you tell like the spouse that really wasn't involved in that business? Even if they think about getting separated, let's say. I mean, what, what would you want them to ask their other spouse, have a monthly meeting, sit down, let's talk. What do you need to see so that you can still be involved and know what's going on? I encourage them to have an open door policy with, the, with their spouse that owns it and with, and with the CPA, whoever's doing the so mm-hmm. reason to know that. I think oftentimes what's interesting is, is even if the not, there's a spouse that doesn't actually own part of the business, they're an officer. So they have, they're an officer, they have access, I think, rights to those books. And some, but they may get pushback sometimes about, well, you can't see that. I'm an officer. I need to be able to see it. <laughs> sometimes you have to get court orders to make sure <laughs> that happens, unfortunately. But yeah, they have a right to it, to see it, sure. even if they're not an owner. But if they're an officer in the company, they do. And I think it's a good thing to know what's going on in general. Sometimes they don't and, and hill to climb. So what do you, let's say the two Two spouses are like 50-50 partners in a business. I'm assuming that one side's going to hire you and the other side's going to hire somebody else. What's the odds that y'all going to come up with this, the same, same number? number? <laughs> Gosh, I, I, I hate that question, <laughs> but I shouldn't. Valuation theory suggests that I should not be, a, and my standards say that I shouldn't be an advocate for anybody. Right. I'm an advocate for my value. And, and you're asking the question because... You, Inevitably, you've seen it. And one evaluator came in at this amount and another one at this amount. So just last week, I did evaluation and I came in at X, we'll just call it 100,000. And somebody came in a whole lot higher. And I'm like, I have no idea how you came up with that. And and so I hate the question because it it just shines a light on something that happens often. Right. There are values that that are very different, but there shouldn't be. In theory, if we're working with the same information. If it's the same standard that you're looking at and applying the same principle. I think there, there are room for differences in judgment, right? If we're back to what I said earlier about normalizing or adjusting compensation, what is reasonable compensation? Is it 150000 for the owner or is it or is it 100000 Right. And that difference, that $50,000 difference can have a big effect on the business, not millions of dollars. The other thing is, do we have access to the same information? So the person that owns the business, is their evaluator having access to more of the information right. than the other one? Okay. And, that, and that can cause differences as well. I think in the perfect world, the evaluators could get together and talk and say, "Hey, <laughs> perfect world, like, w- w- what's going on?" Because it, it's going to come out sooner or later. One of them is one of them is there's an error, and through that conversation, they can find that error. Right, they find it out. You got to can that be done? Is that a, I just think about attorneys? Or would that be a conflict of interest if you've got? I mean, it depends on if it's work product or not. I don't know what your ethics are. But 
call up and ask. If you're a mediation, you can probably ask the question, but I don't think that would happen generally that the two experts would get together and figure out who made the mistake. Maybe I'm wrong, but <laughs> I think they can. And I, don't, I can't remember the context of where and what stage it was in. Was it for mediation or after mediation <laughs> before court? But uh, there was some sort of somebody asked and said, hey, could y'all get together and talk or would you be willing to because the values were so far apart? I do think that unless there's, and there's probably reasons why you, why I wouldn't want to do that, but um, I also shouldn't be terrified that somebody else is going to see my value or, right. or mm-hmm. be critical of it. Like at some point it's going to get out. And, and right. They're going to cross-examine you at yeah, some point. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and hopefully I've done a good job right. and I'll be willing and ready to defend it right. and so to, to another evaluator. I don't want to, I don't want to give away, I don't want to give away potential ammunition right. or w- what you right. need. But uh, I think it could be a good thing to save co- court costs. Have you ever had some? This is more forensic. Have you had people come to you and say, this guy did this evaluation or did these two evaluations and then have you look at them and give an opinion of what you think? Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes it's, it, it goes both ways, right? Sometimes right. There's, we're court appointed and we do evaluation for, quote unquote, both sides. Right. And then right. both sides hate it. And you're like, oh, it's <laughs> terrible. And this, how can it be terrible for both? It is. <laughs> so then one side or the other will go get their own value right. and retain them to, to attack it and um, sometimes there are two valuations and, and I think court could come back there and say, we're going to throw both those out and go with somebody else. Right. Or, or average the two. I think a business evaluation is like appraisals on a house because that's the most normal thing we do. Everybody gets their house appraised and it's usually one appraiser. It does that. We do it through a pretrial order or whatever, but there have been times just like what you say, when the appraiser comes back and it's like, I can't possibly be right. <laughs> and then you have somebody else coming in, not necessarily it's different, I guess. They go out and do their own appraisal, but yeah, I don't want to make what I do sound more complicated because I feel like that sounds. I think e- it is more complicated. There's some ego pride there. <laughs> I do think that there's more nuances and yeah, and there's more potential. Have you looked at all the transactions? If I were to go in and look at every single transaction, I would likely come up with a different financial statement, so a different balance sheet and income statement than what I have, and, and that's going to affect the valuation. And so, at the end of the day, a house, this house is this many square feet and it's in this condition Correct. and I can, seems a little easier, but I want to be careful. No, I understand. I'm trying yeah. to tell you why you should pay me money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Appraisals can be all over the map. Like I remember one time I had a guy, he came, he did the inspection, the whole deal. And then one guy had this 24 year old kid. He's like, what do you want it to go for? Oh, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I do. Yeah. I'm like, That's a weird not question to start with. I think the reality is that there, there are people out there, there are business appraisers out there have a little bit of reputation to get a number if you want it. That's terrible. I think that's in any business per se. And it just. As long as we can agree to hate that. <laughs> I think we're all aboard with, yeah. with that. We yeah. like to do things ethically. Yeah. <laughs> so do you test it? So you testify in court. You've been tendered as an expert, correct? Actually, not yet. Hopefully next week's. So- there's a lot of training that, that you can potentially do, and I've done that. observed okay. testimony, and, and probably one of the strange ones in which I'm looking forward to it and excited about it. So let's talk about forensics a little yep. bit. I always think, of, we think about that at CSI and fingerprints and that kind crime of thing. Crime scenes. Crime scenes. And, but it is the same. It's like a crime. I The thing I love sometimes about my job is digging through credit card statements and bank statements and seeing what you find. Because you can find some crazy stuff in there that people don't realize that you can find. I think so. I think it's fun digging and asking questions and answering questions through the, through the numbers and a little bit of the scientific method. And hey, look, based on what I see here, this is where I need to go and seeing how that traces out. And, uh, and it's nice to be validated when you do that right. and finding it and uh, and figuring out what is what is true, if you will, what is true about these numbers. It's, right. It's neat. And so 
you have we really need folks like you because I don't this is not my forte and it's not necessarily a court's judge's forte there's nothing against any judges but that's not what we're trained in so when you can dumb it down for us and explain it that way it helps I think everybody especially if you've been hired as an expert by the court to do the evaluation you're the person up there that sort of holds these people's financial status in your hand so you want to make sure that you're doing it correctly i think so going back to the practical example in that small if you will marital estate when they right. have the business and the house like a big deal like the spouse is going to get the house are they and so it's a it's a i feel the weight and that's weight on my shoulders in, in that situation at the end of the day the value is what the value is and it's my job to identify it right i don't create value but it's a big deal and i think to be able to explain things to business owners to to attorneys to whomever try our fact important thing i take satisfaction in, in being able to do that and so even if, say, I would hire you to do a business evaluation, you're not advocating for my client, right? That's right. So technically, I'm an advocate for my value. I think there are certain situations in which I can be hired by you to be a hired gun, if you will. But let's say the other side got evaluation, you could hire me and I come in there and be really critical. And then I'm an I'm agent, if you will. Right. If I'm there just to do evaluation, I'm supposed to be not necessarily part of the team, but an advocate for the value. Just looking at the numbers and saying, here's what we come up with based on what my experience is. That's right. That's right. And I'm generally somebody that's that um, eager to please others. And so it's, it's easy to fall to fall in that trap of potentially of saying, hey, I'm part of the team and I'm here for you. And I am. I do want to help the client to, to cross the divide. But I also want to maintain as much as I can and I need to by the standards that partiality. Right. So I don't invalidate anything that I would say. And I think that's what an expert is, even if it's a psychologist or if it's doctor or it's, you know, Derek Ellington, who's doing something for us. It's all based on your standards because that's who else, what else can you trust? Is that we're going by what my professional standards say I should do? I think it's exactly right. But it's always, it's just fascinating to me to see what people, one, what people think of value is, because if you're the one that's Getting the business, you don't want a high value. No. <laughs> if you're the one that's getting half of the value, you want a really high value. So it's hard sometimes to go to a client and say, I'm really sorry, but that's not what's going to happen. That's right. Then there's all the other intricacies and, and difficulties, right? But the pa- active, passive, what if you owned the business before you got married? And then, and so there's a value in marriage that go, and then it increased in value in the marriage. And then, so what's that? What's that? Is right. that increase due to the, the active efforts of one or both of the spouses? Or- passive factors and that's probably even more fascinating to me and trying to wrestle and figure that out because that's that can be really difficult and the ones that i've done lately the questions have uh, there's always inevitably a question let's look at what happened prior pre-covid and what happened post-covid because because they didn't have any control over that per se yeah i I can remember laying in bed thinking about when covid was happening and things were shutting down like how is this going to affect valuations and so if we return to the income approach we talked about earlier, at the end of the day, when we value a company, we're valuing their future possibilities and capabilities, right. the future benefits and earnings of the company. And if we think that COVID is not going to happen again and that the effects are done and gone, and for some companies, I think they are, right? And so they've returned to their status quo, their norm, what they were before COVID. And then you can look at a company, I think, just disregard COVID, if you will. Right. But for still going on, they're still building back, if you will, and some won't ever get back. And addressing COVID, if you will, and giving effects for that appropriately are really difficult and can give rise to differences in valuation. And this is something we never thought of before that you always have to think of now. Like you think a natural disaster or something like that. Now it's always, especially we even do that in custody. It's, okay, what happens if this happens again in, in the custody? So you got to think about it. Really fascinating to me. 
Hey guys, it's Jen with New Direction Family Law. And if you've ever known a friend that's gone through some sort of a custody dispute, you can imagine how stressful it is. Or if you've gone through a custody dispute yourself, child custody disputes can be one of the most stressful and exhausting times of divorce for you and your children. You know your children best, and it's important that you know your legal rights and options and have a say in what's in the best interest of your children. At New Direction Family Law, we have over 30 years experience protecting the rights of our clients in child custody matters. We aggressively advocate, we support, and we educate our clients to achieve the best possible outcomes. So if you're going through a child custody matter or you have a loved one that is, let us be strong for you so you can be strong for your children. Give us a call today at 919-719-3470 to schedule an initial consultation or reach out to us via our website at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. So I have a question I was super curious about. You were talking a minute ago about, let's say, the spouse that's hoping that it goes high. So let's say a, a wife owns a business and her husband divorces her and she grew the business during the marriage and now it's worth a lot of money and the husband is awarded half of the business. After that happens, does he have to do anything? Just, so, gets, just the gets the money? Just gets his check. And he didn't do anything to get it. Now. <laughs> I mean, be That's married. Them fighting, them fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> but but to his point, this is a great question. Whenever you have some a client that comes to you, well, people say that all the time about retire. You're entitled to half the retirement too. But North Carolina looks at a as yeah. a marriage as a team, so that you were able to build that retirement because someone gotcha was at home or so, doing most of the work, so that you could go out and work. And so is that. it more like a buyout then? It's like a one time thing, and you're done, or are you still well, part of that business? No, what I, you want to, if you're separating and you're divorced, you need to, some people do stay in, but I always say you just, the court's going to award it to one party. They can't give it to both. It's got to go to one or the other. Gotcha. So they could agree to do anything they wanted to. So it's probably super messy when they start a company together. Yes, because <laughs> one, they're both, they're both vested in it. So right. they both want it, but the court can't give somebody half and the other person half. It's got to go one way. Or, it's like a house. They can't force it on the market. They got to give it to one person or the other. Gotcha. But I, yeah, it seems so, it seems very unfair. It, it just doesn't sit right with a lot of people. And I get it. I worked my 25 years for my $500,000 worth of retirement. And you're getting half of it? Wait a minute. I guess it's no different than a job if you think about it. One person owns their job and they own the company. Then, because I think it makes sense if one person earned a lot during the marriage. That doesn't seem unequitable to say hey, there's a standard of living that you're both doing. Right. So split the money. But it does feel well, it does different, feel different if you're the person split the money. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> <That's> it does. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody likes to pay alimony, even though they have to. But yeah, it's tough. So it's not necessarily a buyout then. Like it can be like they're still getting money from the business. A lot of times, if it's like a high alimony? value business, they don't have five hundred thousand dollars sitting in the bank. Sure. So they're going to make either monthly payments or quarterly payments or x amount of payments by the end of the year. But that's always tricky because you could go out of business. It's all you got is a judgment. Then you can't. Then you're screwed. So what that person is further ahead just to file bankruptcy and start over. It could. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, I don't <laughs> want to pay you anymore. <laughs> yeah, a million dollars over three years. Cool. Next day, bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> David, have you uh, just random? Have you ever had to break someone's heart? They thought that the business was worth X amount, and you're like, <laughs> no. no, ma'am or sir, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be in this present case. I think it's worth a lot. And the, the person that they're like, gosh, they're. <clears throat> Or in several cases of recently, they're depositing $20,000 a month in the bank. And so where's that coming from? I'm like, well, I don't know, but the comp- but the business is only worth th- this amount. And so I think frequently, if you will, 
It happens often that that difference in in goodwill, like marital goodwill, or excuse me, personal goodwill versus mm-hmm. versus enterprise. The business, a lot of times, is the biggest part of biggest part of the state, of the yeah. marital state, right? Retirement account, a business, and a house, and those things. That's are, pretty mm-hmm. much it. Those things are common, and uh, so it, it's tough. But at the end of the day, if, we're, if it's not if it's not my, I'm just putting this number on here, but it's my, based on my standards and the approaches and how I've been trained. This is the value. Then I can. It's a little bit easier, a lot easier to say that. Still yeah, tough. we deal with the fallout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would imagine that you caution folks, just like anything else, not to Google, what is my ex-business oh worth? My <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a rule of thumb. It's Times EBITDA or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah scary. Stay off the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we get folks that call us too. They, I Googled this. Great. Like, great. Awesome. Yeah. Or talk to my three friends who are going through a separation and divorce and his company was, no, not the way it works yeah. at all. Yeah, it's like they, they read a couple of articles on <laughs> Google and they're an attorney. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Google, Google JD, you didn't that's know that, right. that school existed. That's right. I think you can certainly empathize with a spouse that just sees what amount of money comes in and doesn't really know much about the business. So they don't know what the expenses are. Say the business makes 25 grand a month, but the person running it knows they got $22,000 of expenses. expenses. Yeah, that, it's, it's hard to break that too. I saw all this cash was coming in, but yeah, but they still got to pay like, yeah, that the wasn't expenses. Ours, that that's wasn't, right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or it could be, but then that could be an income. It might be different from the value of the business. And we can say, okay, that's income. So you have to pay more alimony or child support. So maybe we can capture both of them in some way. It seems yeah. a lot messier than just having jobs when it comes to divorcing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it absolutely that, is. I think that goes to Elizabeth's question earlier. Did a spouse or how can they be involved? I think they need to be. Right? I think so, like, too. And to arbitrarily say they were depositing $20,000 a month. Well, should they have been? Well, let's so. see. Let's look at the bank statement or yeah. at least at the end of the year, sit down with the CPA and go through the books and see what's happening. I think so. I think so. Take a little bit of responsibility there, too. I agree. And there's always, we talked about this. We always talk about this. We talk about prenups because people hate them or have a bad. They have such it, it's, a bad rap, but I'm telling you what. They can come in handy because you can put in that prenup who's going to get the business or it's his it's husband's separate property. And then you don't have to worry about it. People always say that getting a prenup, then you're just advocating for No, you're not. Kind of like homeowner's insurance. (laughs) You don't ever want your house to burn down, but if it happens... Sure are happy when you got that homeowner's policy. I'm going to wait until life insurance, but that's not quite possible. No, everyone is going to die. <laughs> not everyone is going to get divorced. I suspect nobody said that gin on the front end, right? Yeah, but we've had cases. In fact, we have one right now where the, the folks came to us and did a prenup with us and life has happened and now they are going their separate ways, but it's a whole lot cleaner, cleaner and quicker and, and everybody knows what to expect. <laughs> and generally I would say, I mean, it helps with the emotional aspect, too, because you are less uncertain of what is happening. That's so, true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but don't and get a bad That's the right rap. time to do it. We still like each other. Exactly. And you're yeah. rational. Joe, you own your own business. Yeah. Does your wife know about your business? Oh, yeah, because, because <laughs> on the spot. Yeah, so she does all the books, so that's she knows probably oh, more good. than me. Huh? <laughs> Joe is asking those questions for him on the other side. No, but you guys, I am curious about this, like, personal question. She won't Is your wife listening? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so when we filed, like she joined my business. So she quit her job and started her own business and joined mine for simplicity's sake. And she said she got it all done. And she was like, yep. So you're like 99% owner and I'm 1%. And I'm like, why did you do it that way? Shouldn't it be like... You should be 50%. She said, oh, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It depends. <laughs> Have your wife call me. <laughs> you can also get post notes. I'll tell her. I'll tell her. I'll tell her. Hey, we were on the divorce show. I brought it up and they said you need to be 50 at least. <laughs> 
I don't know that anybody ought to be 50-50, I think. In general, somebody in needs general, to have one more like, percentage, yeah. yeah. That's a bad, bad recipe. Okay. Yes, she, she can be 50. Yeah, like, and she can make the decisions as Good she man. does for the rest of your life. <laughs> I don't even know where the mortgages are. Like, oh she's in charge of that stuff. Okay, this is exhibit A, folks, of what yeah. not to do. <laughs> Thanks, Joan. Thanks, Thanks for that. Not necessarily a financial question related to this, but I just think about what do you guys see with, if it is a spouse that doesn't have ownership, but works in the business, let's say your wife didn't own 1%. But or, she still did your books and you she still paid did her books. Ex. Then you go through a separation. Do you guys ever see the spouse continue to work in that company or ex-spouse now? I have not. <laughs> I think that'd be difficult. I would just be so pissed. Like, now I got to go get a new job too. Great. I think in, in most of the case, uh, they, they didn't continue to work. I think there's a case or two I can think about where, where they have. It's a little bit awkward and they just, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. And the sudden, in some weird way, it all works out. But it's. That's probably not a good yeah, idea. Yeah, but you got to be yeah. careful because we have a case where they did that, kept one location, she kept one location and he kept one location. He got remarried and then he died. <laughs> so now we got big mess going on. Because, so, you know, separate. if you're separated, separate because it just, it, it's going to get messy at the end of the day, what I can tell you. And the judge is going to do it and, not, and David's going to come up and tell you what your business is worth and then the judge is going to give you half of that or whatever percentage of that your ownership. But that just makes it simple, right? Yeah. Simple prenups. I don't know that anything that you or I do is simple. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. So how can people get in touch with you if they need you and aren't coming through an attorney? Yeah. Yeah. So just give us a call at our office, 919-848-259, or you can email me. So D-A-M-I-S, D-A-M-I-S, and then that C-R-I, Carriggs and Ingram, dot com. And it's always, it's not just for people going through divorce. And sometimes you want to sell your business and you want to get a value. Yeah. So it's not... Yeah, and and I'll provide to you. I have a, a little checklist, if you will, series of questions and answers, if you will. Do I need evaluation? I think a lot of times we get that question: Do I need evaluation? Right. And it's hard to answer that, if you will, because there are there's so many caveats. But I think there is a little a series of question and answers that I'll provide to you. So anybody listening, okay, can, good. Uh, contact and James will post that for us on the yeah. 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 And do I need evaluation? Hopefully, that could be a tool. That'd yeah. be great. I have another question. Sure. Is there a difference in <laughs> level of business valuations yeah, or what's great. acceptable in different scenarios, like mediation versus court. Yeah. So our standards allow us to do two types of values. One is a, we'll call it a conclusion and one's a calculation. So the conclusion probably sounds more scary or expensive and it's usually more involved and it is usually more expensive, but if we're going to go to court, this is what I need to have. Mm-hmm. If, if I were to go to court and be on the other side with Elizabeth, Elizabeth is going to ask what my opinion or my conclusion of value is. And if I said I did a calculation, which is something different, and I say, I don't have an opinion, then that's probably not going to go well for me. <laughs> so, yeah. so I need to have an opinion or a calculation. You have to have that have if you're going to court. If, for mediation purposes, you can do something called a calculation. Um, it's, it's less in scope. It's going to be less expensive. Uh, it's usually only one approach. And so earlier I talked about the asset, the income, and the market approach. And we can agree just to do one. And it, it can be a good option if you're asking do I like doing them? Probably not. I probably always want to do a conclusion just because I, for lack of a better word or phrase, I want the warm and fuzzies knowing I did everything and the right. value is not going right. to change. And right. I'm going to put in my report, in my calculation report, if I do one, hey, if you go to trial and I have to do a conclusion, the, the value could change. And I do not, I just don't like saying that. I, I don't, I don't want to put the attorney in a bad situation for you to go to mediation and say, hey, this is value. 
Then we go to trial and like, oh, this is the value. Yeah. It's not um, like any expert. It's like, why would you hire like a PhD person to do a custody evaluation without making recommendations or telling the judge what's the best thing to do? Because that's what you're doing because the judge doesn't know. So to me, just yeah. go ahead and get the conclusion done, one even for mediation. I think so. I think so. But I think there probably are times in which it, <clears throat> the calculation is warranted. And so the conclusion is going to be, let's just say, 15, 18,000 in the calculation, maybe eight to 10,000. There are times in which the calculation may go for mediation purposes, but I think the best thing to do is go and get a conclusion. Yeah. 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 And now are there, we were talking about shady professionals earlier in every industry. So, because I've heard some folks that, that are like business brokers that have, that's their business yeah. and they, but they've come to me and they've said, I provide value, valuations for mediations, but I can't do whatever the court requires. Yeah. So is there certain qualifications, certifications, things you yeah. need to do to be able to do those? Yeah. So the broker there is probably giving what's called a broker's opinion of value. I think that's what it's called. Evidently, it's not something that their standards allow them to testify on. So I think that's the benefit of using somebody like me that's willing to testify and to go there and to defend the report. Because at the end of the day, if you can't defend it, that's what. Yeah, it's sort of like I think of it like you had an appraiser that would be like a David testifying. If you have your realtor come in and tell you what they think the market value of your mm. house is, that's more like the broker kind of thing. Gotcha. They couldn't testify in court, or they yeah. could, but court wouldn't say they're an expert. Maybe. Yeah. So. Good question. So tips are <laughs> know what's going on, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that's your legal advice. Your free legal advice <laughs> of the free day. Free legal Joe. advice for the day. <laughs> I think know what's going on. If you think or see something like this is coming down the road, I think absolutely you need to make sure that you know the CPA or that there is a CPA, good, good data. If we don't have good data, then it's hard to do a good valuation right. and uh, getting the trier effect to agree to a value. Uh, it's going to be difficult if, if there's bad data. And, and also it's going to, it's, it's going to be a lot more expensive Correct. if we have to go around and round on the data. So I think it's helpful all around to have a good CPA and feel good about the data and to have a good family law attorney. <laughs> can I ask you this? It's like financial advisors too. Let's say I'm not that I'm not an officer of the company. I'm not a partner. Can you talk to me? Can you show me the books without my husband or wife being there so to say it's okay? If you're the non-owning spouse mm -hmm. and you're not an officer, I don't have any ownership in it, except for my marital portion. Let's say, but I'm not employed. I'm not a partner. I'm not an officer. Yeah, I think I can talk to you about that, but I typically do. Okay. I don't know that I've asked the question before. Can I? I think <laughs> without the other, per without the owner, if I came to you and said, "Hey, I think he's cheating on me. I think divorce is coming down the road. I don't know anything about this. You've been our CPA. Show me what can you tell me uh, oh, about this me. business." So, so in this case, I'm the CPA that's prepared the tax returns. Can I talk to her? Yeah, like um, you're the CPA for the business. Yeah, that's a good question. So if I were CPA for the business, so I'm putting my CPA hat on and mm -hmm. not, not the valuation right. hat on. Right. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to switch up. <laughs> no, excuse me. If we were talking about a business and spouses and non-owning, I think we probably should not talk to them, which is really difficult, but I might want to reserve judgment to go back okay. and see the standards there. I was just curious. They're technically an owner. Good question. <laughs> Anybody got any other questions? Joe, any other questions about your business ownership? It's all clear, Joe. <laughs> Maybe we should call your wife and ask her. <laughs> this has know. been more fun than I thought made business yeah. evaluation. This has been really entertaining, I must say. What were you expecting? I don't know. Like oh, numbers no. just, I don't math. I don't math well. It just makes my head hurt. But I had no idea how complicated it would be. Like, And I think I just understand a fraction of it from this conversation. <laughs> we might have to do another one then and break it down. But yeah. yeah. Oh, this has been great. Yeah. <laughs>
I think it, a lot of it depends on how clean the data is and how hard it is to get answers. If you got to go through deposition upon deposition to get answers versus can you just talk to the business, it's super important. I agree. I feel like if people knew, like if people had a crystal ball and knew like, all right, you're 17, divorce is coming, they would have kept impeccable records. But I bet that's not what most people do. I do think that the, the family law attorney, typically, if they're a good one, they... Caveat. Have, I'll say that because I, I've been in court observing other people testify and... um and I feel like their attorney like left them hanging out there while the while the attorney that, that we were working with was doing cross and they were just getting eat up yeah, out there. Right. And so having a good family law attorney, you, it, it's it's really good. And right. listen to them because sometimes I feel like the spouses, because it's so emotional because they haven't done the pre, it's so emotional <laughs> that they just want, man, like we're charging forward. The cost, do a cost benefit right, analysis right. And, and you're going to help them. But at that. the end of the day, it's their, it's their call. I just and wish then, they'd listen but, to you. And then, yeah, yeah that's what, too. <laughs> God, is this what we say to you? Yeah, I haven't said that in podcasts. Listen, listen to Elizabeth. That's right. Not that note, I would say that's perfect. Ain't that yeah. some shit? <laughs> Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. You can visit us at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at the exit strategy underscore podcast or email us at exit strategy at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. We'll be back next time with more no bullshit content about life divorce, parenting, relationships, and everything in between.